Welcome to First in Maine, your avenue to living well. I'm Debs here with my amazing co-host, Lauren, to meet you in the busyness of your everyday life, to pass along some of the insights and wisdom we've gained over the years. Don't try to figure out life alone. We want to connect you to some of the incredible, well-rounded people in our world. They're life coaches, counselors, pastors, physicians, just amazing people who can help you along the way. Each episode, we'll be sharing sharing personal stories, practical help, and timeless principles to help you live at your best. So lean in and let's tackle life together. So I know we are still in April, but May is just right around the corner. And May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So we thought that we would dedicate the next few episodes to talking about this really important area of our lives, our mental health. You know, when it comes to living well, a first in main life, our mental health matters. You guys already know that we love bringing people onto our podcast who can share their personal stories, their insights, and give us practical tips that will help us in like our everyday lives, right? So today we invited another friend, <laughs> Jessica Banner. She's here with us today to sit down and talk a little bit with us about mental health and kind of get us set up for the next couple episodes. So Jess, we are so glad you're joining us today. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. Yes. Yeah, so guys, to tell you a little bit about Jessica in terms of her professional background, um, we actually served together at Influencers Church. She yep. is a senior counselor with the counseling department there, which is amazing, by the way. So even if you do not live in the Atlanta area, they have online options for counseling and stuff like that. So she does that currently, but she is a professional pastoral counselor. Her background, she's been in the field for about 13 years. She has a bachelor's in human relations and counseling. She also has a minor in biblical studies and a master's in rehabilitation counseling that she received from Georgia State University. So in the past, before coming to influencers to be on their you know counseling department, to be with them, she was a mental health counselor with Peachford Hospital, and she did that mm-hmm. for about 10 years. Yeah. So lots of experience there. And she also served six of those years as their lead therapist. So wow. I bet you have a lot of stories. I do, because that was with adolescence. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's really something that you specialized with. It is. Children yeah. and adolescents. But uh, you've done young adult counseling, substance abuse counseling, and one of the big things that you work with now is trauma resolution. Absolutely. So let me just tell you guys, she is not only well-trained and equipped to talk about this area of our lives, but she's a beautiful soul, loves Jesus, very spirit-led, and I have heard nothing but incredible feedback from people who, um, obviously you haven't told me about it, but they've told me (laughs) about coming to you for counseling and how much you've helped them. So we're in for a real treat today. Um, so one of the things that she's going to be talking to us about is this idea, like you saw in our title, break before you break. So break as in B-R-A-K-E, you know, like pump the brakes <laughs> before you break. Crash, snap, pop. I love that title. Uh, so anyway, slow your roll before you snap. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> I love that too. Well, before we dive in, Jessica, I was just wondering, like, what led you to work in the field of mental health? You know, it's funny that question's been coming up a lot lately, and I hadn't thought about it mm-hmm. until recently, but my mom would always joke with you. She'd tell you I was 35 in an eight-year-old body, <laughs> and uh, she tells everybody that. But truly, like, at eight years old, I pretty much ran the uh, neighborhood counseling center at the edge of our driveway. The kids would just rotate through with their life stories, and we would be talking that out. My eight-year-old <laughs> birthday party, some friends got in a fight. I was pulling them out, mediating Aww. One at a time. <laughs> I mean, it it has been with me all of my life, but part of that's because my own my own story and my own family. You know, we've been through quite a bit. I always tell people, God let a little bit of everything touch my life. Wow, pretty early, and um, just navigating that. I very young. I was very aware of people and how people affected people. And mm-hmm. um, as I got into college, I thought I was going to go into ministry. And someone came and gave me a word and said, nope, you're going out into the world. Like, And I was like, well, God, what are we going to do then? Yeah. But I decided to just go ahead and go to school. But about 19, my dad was involved in an accident at work mm-hmm. and um, had a catastrophic traumatic brain injury, which kind of turned my family upside down Bad. and really saw the lack of care, especially for adolescents, because a lot of my f- siblings were young at the time. And I was also taking a psych class in college at the time. And wow. so it just, the Lord allowed all of those things to sort of coincide. And um, I immediately changed my major and kind of set focus and um, plowed through school okay. <laughs> one one degree at a time. That's and, awesome. Um, Ended up at the hospital for a few years, but that's kind of the nuts and bolts of it. I think it was really an, a calling in my life. Mm-hmm. I've been gifted in that. Um, the Lord's given me the things I need to really come alongside people, but He's allowed experiences in my life to complement that into walking into that. Yeah, and I love, you know, because the Word says that He will work in our lives, comfort us, and then give us that ability to then come alongside others mm-hmm. and comfort them with the same type of comfort we've received from Him. Absolutely. So that's awesome. Well, guys, if you're listening today and you have been feeling stressed, you are definitely not alone. I mean, man, stress can just affect all things in our lives. And if we aren't careful, it can just rob us of our ability to make good choices and good decisions about our lives. So the sooner we address the stress in our life, um, the sooner we can enjoy a more peaceful and fulfilling life. So Jessica, any first thoughts about today's topic? I think jumping in, mental health is something that intimidates people a lot. You just say mental health and you just see the look, the glass over on people's Mm. face Um, because there really is still a lot of stigma. It is something that can feel very overwhelming. A lot of people feel undereducated or underaware about it. And so, and when we're experiencing things ourselves, people kind of live in those guilt and shame cycles. And so it makes it hard to talk about. And so typically when I, when we start to approach this topic, there's a couple things I really encourage people to keep in mind. And one of the big ones is just honesty. Mm -hmm. You know, when we can be honest with ourselves, honest with God, honest with each other, um, and obviously with safe people, because that's that's an important key to honesty. We're not just going to go share everything with everyone because not everyone is safe, but really identifying with ourselves that it is okay for me to have an honest conversation with myself about what's going on with me, mm-hmm. what I'm experiencing. Um, be willing to be self-aware and and to self-assess. I yes. imagine you, 
I know you coach, <laughs> so I, I know that's probably something you encourage quite a bit too. I mean, it's, I mean self-awareness is, it's huge. Mm-hmm. And it is a skill that you can learn. Um, as you get older, I think we can become more and more self-aware for sure. I know we'll probably talk a little bit more about that in depth, mm-hmm. but that is the first step in change. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. I would definitely encourage people ask hard questions. You know, we we get scared of hard questions because there's a lot of emotion tied to them typically, or we get worried that we're going to butt up against a problem that we're afraid we don't have the resources for. But when we're willing to ask the question, that's the first step of being able to actually address the issue. And so, oh, I love that. Sometimes I'm (laughs) afraid to address it. Sometimes I'm afraid of the answer. Like, I don't want to ask the hard question because I don't really, like, I deep down probably know the answer and I just don't want to know it. <laughs> you don't want to go there yet. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's usually the truth. Yeah. You know, most people, counseling is not necessarily giving its advice. It's mm-hmm. helping people realize they've already got a lot of the answers and solutions inside of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the the trauma, the, the fear that often drives that, I, I can't go there. I'm not sure I could handle that again. Or yeah. I don't know that I have what it takes to get to the other side if I actually acknowledge the truth of this. Yeah, and just being in that environment with a counselor, sometimes a coach, just having that partner, knowing that you're not having to go through those questions and uh, you know awareness and all that on your own. Mm. That's why two are better than one. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean- I, I don't ever, I'm never ashamed to own it. I mean, I've walked through my own process and I've been walking stuff out for the last five years with a counterpart of my own. Um, I, I, I believe healthy counselors, good counseling. Yeah. So yeah. most people aren't counselors unless they've been through something. Right. So it's good to know when they are working through. It. Right. <laughs> um, I usually encourage people, it's important to find balance. I think mental health is God created us a body, a spirit, a soul. He created us a body, a, a brain, and a heart, you know. Um, and that speaks to our soul, not our literal heart as a part of our physical body. But, you know, we need to have balance across our different social environments, relational environments, work and play. Um, that All those things are important, being able to find that space with the Lord and really making room for ourselves. I don't know about you guys. I think especially as women. Yes. We, we, we are busy. Yeah. Yes. We can we can make ourselves busy, but the world can We're make caregivers. Us busy. A lot of you know, by nature. Um and that when we're talking about mental health, it's usually a space that another reason people don't approach it is because I don't have time to make room for myself. Mm. And so it, it is a season a lot of times if we're gonna approach really looking at what's going on with our mental health, we've gotta be willing to make the time. So yeah. good, Jessica. Um, it's also okay to not be okay. You know, I think we we definitely live in a culture that values thought over emotion, and mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But, yeah. um, you know, and inside of that, we really value production. We value thought. And so it's really easy to get in the space of, it's not okay for me not to be okay. Yeah. You know, and so I had to tell myself that. In my own journey, I had to just reach this place of, enough with production. Mm -hmm. I just have to make space to not be okay for a while so I can get to the other side and actually be Be okay. okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And just asking for help, accountability, support. I tell people all the time, I've got accountability people. It's not because I can't control something. It's because I just need to tell on things sometimes. Right. (laughs) I'll call a good friend of mine. I think you guys 
know Teresa. You've talked yeah. to her. So yeah, she's been on. You know, I call her all the time. I'm like, listen, I just, I've got to tell on this thought. We don't need to talk about it. We don't need to process it. Somebody just needs to know it, you know? Um, it's so good because I remember sitting in one of my classes in Bible college and um, one of the professors, and it was a class on mental health Mm -hmm. and the care of the soul and stuff like that. And I remember her saying, all darkness brought to light loses its power. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we, we stew on things, we think things. And then what you said, we stay in that shame cycle and all of that. And a lot of times just owning, confessing, and that's what it says, confess your faults, you know, right. your faults, your thoughts <laughs> to one another that you can be healed. There's something very powerful. Again, it's with a safe person, right? Um, which is super important, but that can be a very powerful thing. Absolutely. And I think building healthy relationships, I think yeah. that's a huge, I, I tell people all the time, my clients especially, like, I truly believe God designed us for one thing and that was for a relationship. Yeah. He designed us to be a place where love can go and really at the base of anything with mental health, it's been the breakdown in relationships and how we perceive ourselves and show up to relationships. And so really underneath it all, it's about building healthy relationships. I love that. It's really good. So can you take just a minute and maybe describe for us what it actually means to be mentally healthy? You know, I was thinking about this through the last week, and I saw that you posed that question for me, and was we were kind of getting ready yeah. for this, and I was like, well, it doesn't really have a definition, and so I was starting to look at that, and just that it really is a series of things we kind of assess for. You know, stability and balance is a big thing. You yeah. know, when we start feeling our lives are so chaotic, it feels like the cart's going to go off the rails. That's probably a sign things aren't real stable. Yeah, you know? and we feel that in our emotions, we feel it in our physical bodies. Um, Sometimes our thoughts are running away and we just really can't capture them or organize them. So I think having clarity of mind, feeling pretty good in our body, our emotions aren't dominating our mm. experience. They're going to be present, but they're not dominating our experience. Um, I love that. Oh, say that again. The ability for emotions are always going to be present, but they're not going to dominate our experience. Oh, I love that. We really tweet good. in that or whatever. <laughs> We're not on Twitter, but... We're not on tweet Twitter, on Instagram? But <laughs> we, can, we can figure it out. <laughs> Instagrammable. <laughs> I think the ability to learn is really a part of being mentally healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, we all come with patterns and models and we live in a broken world. And so none of us have really escaped trauma at some point in our lives. And, and all of us are on a spectrum with where we are with God healing that trauma and walking through that. But it does affect the way we think, the way we feel about things, the way we get triggered. I mean, breaking before we break, talking about stress, mm-hmm. triggers are a huge part of that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, just having the ability ability to learn and be willing to to again learn about ourselves, but learn new skills, all the different pieces of what it is to learn. Learn about people because we're not all the same. We have different personality yeah. types, and that makes a difference for how we relate. And you know, I mean, to jump in, but like personalities, if you've never taken a personality test, and there are different ones out there, you right. may have like a preference recommendation. But I remember taking a personality test many, many years ago, and that helped my mental health it does. <laughs> because I was like, oh, I am, wow, I'm not a, the only one like this. And, oh, this is why they are the way they are. Right. 
And just learning how to understand that, I mean, that can be huge. Absolutely. In a marriage, in, well, any relationship. And I, I get a lot of feedback about personality tests because people are like, I don't want that to lock me in. And I, I tell mm-hmm. people, I had a great professor that said to me once, personality tests are really about spectrum. We all live on a spectrum mm-hmm. f- between two things. Like, you're not just introverted or extroverted, you're on a spectrum. Because I tell people all the time, I'm, I'm an ambivert. <laughs> I, I am an internal processor, mm-hmm. but I need just about as much social time as I need to be alone. Uh-huh. And so, and that that's why I asked her that in the first place, because I was like, I always test one or two questions over the line. And she's like, well, it's really a spectrum. We have a little bit of all of it in us, mm-hmm. but we all have varying levels of that. And that's why it can fluctuate a little bit. Yeah. It doesn't tend to fluctuate a ton, mm-hmm. but a test isn't about locking you in. And I say that because we're talking about self-awareness and assessment, right. you know, that don't be afraid of a test, that it, it is not a definer of who you are. The Lord is the definer of who Come you on. are. Right, right. <laughs> Come on. But, but it can be a tool to have a general working knowledge to say, I operate more like this and I need to understand other people operate a little more like that. And this is why we can have conflict. This is why we can misunderstand each mm-hmm. other to use it as a tool and not an identi- yeah. identifier. I love that. <laughs> Great. That yeah. is so good. I definitely think the ability to feel, express, and manage positive and negative emotions. If we're honest, yes. we really live We try in- to do that here, you guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we live in a social media, you know, five second blurb of my life and how many of us really are putting all the negative stuff out there. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, people actually go way out of their way to avoid all things negative, even internally, you know, Mm. working as a counselor, people are not even aware of what they've pushed down a lot of the time. Mm. Um, So really, I think to define mental health in a healthy, what does healthy look like? It is the ability to feel both. It's the ability to express both and to manage it. Because we are going to have both. Mm-hmm. You know, I always tell people there's no such thing as a bad emotion. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't even like the term negative as much. I tell people, you know, we have comfortable and uncomfortable emotions mm-hmm. <laughs> more than positive or negative. And some, I mean, they do have connotations, but yeah. they, they have a job, you know. Usually it's the behavior right. attached to the right. emotion <laughs> that, <laughs> exactly. that ends up being negative. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and I would say the last thing I really would look at for what is healthy is how are we coping and managing with change and uncertainty? Because we're all going to experience that in our lifetime. Right. And usually in cycles, you know, we're, we're going to have positive times in our life where things feel like they're thriving and we're succeeding. And there are going to be seasons where struggles are happening. Yeah. We're facing challenges. And, you know, we're bringing this podcast right after we just talked about Um, seasons. I mean, we did the um, rocking church life, but right before that, we were talking about rocking our seasons. Mm -hmm. And this is a part of it, is being mentally healthy, because those changes are going to come. Those cycles, they do happen. Do you have a way that we could like do a little mini health checkup? Well, I typically talk to people about things to be checking in. Are they happening? Um, I, I talk to people about looking at different categories and different areas, because a lot of us can look at the chaos and go, I just feel a mess and I don't really know how to check in with myself. And so I break it down and to personally break it down into some different categories like physical, mental, emotional, relational, spiritual, because those are the big areas we see things. So for me, when I'm 
talking to people, I tell people, you know, let's look at what's going on physically. Mm-hmm. You know, this is going to help me know, is there something I need to check in with myself? If I'm not sleeping or I'm having a lot of sleep disturbance, that's probably an indicator something's happening. Right. <laughs> um, nutrition, last, either eating more or eating a whole lot less, loss of appetite or a gain of appetite is a physical thing that's usually going to let me know I've got stress on my plate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and it can depend. Sometimes it fluctuates either way with that. Uh, physical things, you know, am I uncomfortable even in my own body? You know, a lot of times we don't talk about the sensory stuff as much, but yeah. I'm a very sensory sensitive person. And I'm learning that more and more the older I get. Uh-huh. Like when I am not well or I'm stressed out, the smallest noises drive me crazy. Yes. Or all of a sudden, <laughs> like certain things touching me drive me insane. Like, mm-hmm. Which, on the average, that doesn't bother me, but when my stress level is higher. So being aware of your sensory input Mm -hmm. uh, is sometimes an indicator that I'm not okay. Yeah, that's great. Um, With the mental, a lot of times I tell people to check in with what's actually going on with your thought life. Some of it may be the content of your thoughts. You know, if you find that you are having more negative thoughts, if you are having more shame-based thinking, you know, if you are having racing thoughts or obsessive thoughts, that's usually an indicator stress is higher. Um, I would say mentally, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, mental fog, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes there's just the fog and I'm not really being able to focus on anything in particular. Um, so there, there's a lot of different things mentally and just not even being able to make decisions. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Um, emotionally, we want to look at what our regulation looks like. You know, if I'm having mood swings, that are a little more abnormal for me, you know, or if I'm finding I'm angry longer periods of time. Because when we have prolonged stress, most anxiety and depression looks like anger. Ah. It's one of the biggest indicators that we are dealing with some extensive anxiety or depression. And, And not all of that means I have severe depression and I can't get out of bed, but we can start having that loss of motivation for things. Um, which can be a physical thing, but it, it's an emotional thing first, typically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, just motivation's a big one. We may lose interest. We may start feeling disinterested in the things that we care about. Um, but that kind of even stepping back from like engagements and just wanting to be by ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tell people there's a lot of ways to hide. <laughs> a lot of it looks like canceled plans and unanswered phone calls for, it's true. for a lot of us. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's true. That's a, that is a very practical thing that you can look at and use as an indicator. Yeah. And that's a big one. Like I know when I'm stressed, especially at work, I have so many people talking to me and calling and texting for appointments. And when I'm at home, I don't want to deal with it. I just... I don't want to even look at my phone. And sometimes I'm not good at responding to people right away. And so I can totally see that. Well, I think it's a hard line for people too. And I would just say this as a side note, because it is hard to know the balance of, am I not okay? Or am I really trying to take care of myself mm. when when we get to that place? Because when I get home, I don't like to answer phone calls right. either. I've been talking to people all day long. Right. <laughs> right. And And so sometimes that's with our emotions, that's where it can be a little deceiving that Sometimes we are taking good care of ourselves, not answering that. But if I find that in my free time or if I haven't been busy and I'm canceling plans or wanting to be by myself, I'm going to evaluate that. Uh, yeah, that and sense. I would say even when those things, like, because we're going to get into it, I'm sure, talking about, you know, some good boundaries and stuff like that. And so 
if we are practicing self-care, but even, you know, just going through the day, if those things irritate us, like they come in and, ah, <laughs> you just throw your phone. <laughs> come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have That's... always exercised the time out. Like even I worked in a preschool going through school and when I would get overwhelmed with what was going on in my classroom, I'd be like, you just go sit down for a minute. They can't tear this room up, so just sit down, put yourself in timeout, regroup, and come back and take care timeouts of Timeouts are fantastic. Yeah. I put myself in one the other week. We're not going to go there, but I felt myself drifting. <laughs> and so I did. I went and put myself in the bedroom and gave myself, I said, excuse me, I'm, I'm taking a timeout. <laughs> Absolutely. It helped. The two other areas that I think are probably really significant, but we don't evaluate as much is the relational and the spiritual. You know, I think when we're checking in relationally, I think we have to look at, am I investing as much? You know, relationship requires intentionality. Mm -hmm. And so if I am just going through the motions and I'm not being intentional with the people that I love and care about, you know, if I'm just doing the bare minimum, it's probably an indicator there's a lot on my plate. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because... I don't know about you guys, but if I love somebody, I want to invest in them. I want to encourage them and give them what I've got. And so if I'm finding myself not wanting to do that or Mm -hmm. withdrawing from that, that's usually an indicator things aren't so great. Yeah, We may see more conflict in relationships when we're stressed out um, because our threshold is just a little smaller. (laughs) So um, you tend to see more conflict. You are, you may be arguing more. I was about to say outburst. Right, outburst, yes. <laughs> All the little things start we, to bother We don't know you. anything about outburst. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and so I think the last one, the spiritual place, is the place that a lot of people, we don't really often think to check in. Mm-hmm. Um, if you find yourself praying less, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm somebody who is in constant dialogue with the Lord. I don't really ever turn off the conversation. So I find if I am really drifting and I haven't been just chit-chatting with the Lord all day, yeah. um, something's going on. Right. <laughs> um, and, and not everybody talks to Him that frequently, but I know in myself that's a place that yeah. I, I don't really ever feel like He's not right here and I'm in an active dialogue yeah. with Him. So yeah. if I find that I'm drifting and I'm not in conversation or it's been really quiet— you know, if I'm not in the Word, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm finding myself drifting away and giving permission to not have my quiet time or to not spend time with the Lord, that's usually an indicator my stress level's high. Yeah. And it's probably twofold, because if I'm going to spend time with the Lord, I'm going to get those hard answers, yeah. those hard yes. questions. <laughs> those answers I don't want. Right. <laughs> but it's also because a lot of times when we are stressed, that's where it hits some of those places where we may have certain beliefs about God that have been affected by trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, it hits that stuff that may not be healed in us where it affects our relationship with the Lord. And so it is an indicator if I'm not talking, because a lot of times when we're stressed, that's what brings out the, well, do I really trust God? (laughs) Is God really good? And Mm -hmm. so we tend to start pulling away, Mm -hmm. right? Like if we don't trust somebody, what do we do? We pull pull away. Yeah. Yeah. That is so insightful. It really is. And I'm so glad that you shared what it means to be mentally healthy. I think think deep down we all know a little bit about that, but it's really good to just hear it again and kind of check ourselves as we go through the list with you and kind of think about where we are and reflect where we are as we were hearing some of those things. Yeah. And along the continuum, you know, of our life, depending on the season we're in and stuff like that, there are times where we just have to 
acknowledge, okay, I'm not okay right now. Mm-hmm. I just listened to all that and wow, yeah. I had to go check, 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 not okay. <laughs> and that's okay. That's why we're having this conversation. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about things that directly affect our mental health. Just our day-to-day. You know, there are things that come up, taking care of our kids, taking care of our spouse. You know, being in relationship takes time and energy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Significant life changes, and they don't always have to be negative. The reality is a lot of people don't know this, but positive stress affects the body just as much as negative stress does. Mm -hmm. So I could be having a job change to the job of my dreams, and that's still causing stress on my body and my mind about mm-hmm. making changes. So any significant life change. Getting married. Right. That's, like, that's an exciting <laughs> thing, and yet it's so stressful. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> well, bridezilla's a real thing. Yeah. It's not that most people are out there being ugly. It's the stress mm-hmm. that then ex- exemplifies the, you know. Yeah, and excitement, all of it. Right. Yeah, exactly. that's a great example. Um, unresolved trauma is absolutely a part of that. Um, Historical trauma, social and cultural trauma. You know, we've lived in a a season the last couple of years where we've seen that playing out for a lot of people and those discussions needing to be had. Um, Just everyday issues, political and economic. I know you mentioned that earlier. We're in a season right now where on the global world, the global front, there's a there's a war occurring and people are affected by that. You know, coming out of a pandemic and the economic situation, huge stress. Yeah. Yeah. Finances is one of the biggest stressors for people. Mm-hmm. One the of the news, top three reasons for divorce. <laughs> exactly. I don't watch it. <laughs> Neither do I. I, I read I just like, enough that yeah. I can pick and choose and be aware, but mm-hmm. I'm aware working with people. It's one of my boundaries. Yeah. I work with people. I hear the not great things that have happened in people's mm-hmm. lives. The news doesn't help me at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good. I boundary. believe in being informed, yeah. right? But I don't. I draw the boundary with. I'm not a hyper regulator. Like I'm not that person that says you don't need to do this and you need to do this. I, I like to help people grow into them finding their space about regulating themselves. But we really are what we feed ourselves. Mm. We are affect. We're not. It's not our identity, but our emotions are definitely affected by what we feed mm-hmm. into ourselves. And so that's why I draw the line with the news, right? Like I need to not be taking on that mentality. And I don't want to be driven by fear in any way. Right. And so even if just the hearing of things is driving my fear up, I don't I don't want to live like that. That's stressful. Right. <laughs> it's stress I don't need that isn't actually, you know, affecting my day-to-day living. And so I have enough real things to worry about. And not that those things aren't real and important. That's not what I'm saying. They are. It is important to be informed and to know what's going on and to have compassion for people. But I am able to do that more when I don't inundate myself with that so information. Good. I love the way that you said that. Yeah. The bottom line is the everything that we just talked about, mindsets and um, all of these different things, they have a direct impact on us. And at the end of the day, they are they are potentially stressors. Mm-hmm. All right. And so we are talking about you know, how to break, slow it down, slow our roll before we break. And the bottom line is, like you said, every one of us, there's positives, there's negative stressors. We all experience stress to a certain degree and it comes in, you know, degrees. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, it comes in cycles sometimes and it can be prolonged. But the bottom line is how we regulate how we manage our stress is one of the key things that makes all the difference. How can we start breaking 
before we break? Well, I think I always encourage people to start with the physical. Even when I'm working with someone with severe depression, like someone who can't get out of bed, we set goals like get up and take a shower, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. make it a goal for a week that I'm getting up, getting a shower, brushing my teeth, getting dressed. Those are physical things, physical needs, because momentum builds momentum. Mm -hmm. Motivation builds motivation. And so when I'm meeting small goals and things that take care of me, I tend to start building more motivation towards other things. And it, it's weird to say doing things actually creates margin because it takes time and energy and all of those mm-hmm. things. But sometimes the stopping creates more time. Sometimes the doing creates more time. And, and you see that like with quiet time with the Lord. I, I've had this conversation like five times just this week with different people about, you know, well, I don't have time for quiet time. We've got a hundred things going on. But I know what's true is every time I stop and spend time with the Lord, I get more done in less time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Every single time. And part of what's happened in that quiet time is because I got to sit and rest. I got to be loved on. I got to have wisdom and strategy poured into me. I got to, inside of that, clarify my thoughts clarify my emotions, put the out-of-control emotion to the side, or at least better understand why it was out of control. And in ordering my mind and my emotions, it it focused me for what I needed to do ahead, and I did it faster. You know, I got done in six hours what I could have done in eight mm-hmm. had I not had that time. And so I never look at it as time wasted because it actually helps me be more efficient. <laughs> right. Right. And same thing with the physical things on that side of it. It takes time to take that shower or do, which is people will cut that out because I didn't have time to take a shower. I didn't have Mm -hmm. time to wash my clothes. I didn't have time. Exercise. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a big one, you know. So sometimes if we really don't know at all where to start, I tell people start with the physical and start with the Lord. You know, those are two places. And I tell people, if you only have five minutes to give to the Lord, because how many of you know, if I give five minutes, I'm really going to be there half an hour. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? If I mentally commit to five, I'm going to end up with more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because when I've invested, but five is doable, right? Mm-hmm. You know, five helps us like get there. Because yeah. when we think it's going to be thirty, we're like, oh no, I don't have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to set goals that get you past the mental roadblock, <clears throat> right? Because we we get very intimidated because a lot of times when we've gotten really stressed out, things feel bigger than we can manage. And so I have to start backing it up by setting such tiny goals that they're so manageable. Right. <laughs> they're, they're like hyper manageable, yeah. right? Like yeah. I can give five minutes. Yeah. I mean, I can do that just getting in the car and turning it yeah. on, right? Yeah. Like that's uh-huh. five minutes, you know, or, you know, if I'm taking a 20 minute shower, if I'm having a 20 minute conversation with God, because let's be real, we have that there. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. You know, that's starting somewhere, but it's manageable and mm-hmm. any... It builds momentum. Success builds momentum. Yes, it does. And so that's why even in mental health, when I'm working with people about that, we always set small goals. That's why I don't ever tell people, you know, you need to go out and be social and begin. I'll tell people, I want you to get out of your house, even if it's to walk and sit in the backyard for 20 minutes Mm -hmm. a day. Like you don't have to go anywhere to start out. You don't have to be social meeting 10 people or I'll tell people, you've got to leave your house once a week. Mm-hmm. You know, we set goals that are manageable. But what I know is that getting out is actually going to make them feel better. Meeting and talking to people is going to make them feel better. You know, helping someone else is going to help them feel better. But 
in their mind, that's often a roadblock. And so setting goals that are manageable to start building momentum. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so what are some other things that we can do to break? Let's talk about boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> she said, let's, let's get to the hard stuff. Uh, yeah. um, well, I think with boundaries, we have to start really assessing, being honest with ourselves about what we have to give. Okay. I think I think that's we're getting back to the honesty piece because the truth is I don't have forty hours a week to give to ministry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I work full time, I've got family, I've got things to deal with. Most people do. So I can't give a yes that's gonna commit me to 50, even 15, 20 hours a week is a lot for me to think about with ministry, right? right? So I have to know what my limits are before I give a yes. Mm, and that's so a way good. to have a boundary. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I take inventory of my resources and what I've got to give, then I know what I can give my yes to. And I I can prioritize better. Yeah. You know, and that's key is even knowing your priorities. And we talked about seasons there during certain seasons, Mm -hmm. some things may have priority Mm -hmm. over other things. And if you don't know your priorities, you can't prioritize. Right. (laughs) Well, I think. One of the big boundaries is I've got to take care of the physical things that keep me well, Mm -hmm. right? Food, nutrition, sleep, all of those things are really key Mm -hmm. Um, because when we have good sleep and good nutrition, we're already starting way ahead of the game. I worked with a trainer for about a year and a half, a few years back, and one of the things he harped on all the time, because I was so busy, I was leaving for the hospital at like five o'clock in the morning. I mean, I just, I missed breakfast all the time, and he said, Jessica, that is the most important meal of your day. Mm. He said, your brain needs water and protein to get up and get going. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and it really helped shift that in me. I can't not eat breakfast. So I think there's some other things when we talk about boundaries for us to think about. Okay. You know, I think electronic boundaries is huge. Yeah. <laughs> um, we live in the digital age. And a couple things to think about, especially because with COVID, it changed how we engage digital things. We started working from home more Mm -hmm. and people are still doing that. Um, So being sure you have designated places, that's a boundary in your home. We don't encourage using technology in your bed because it actually confuses the brain about what you're supposed to do in your bed, which is rest. Yeah, blue light stuff and all that, yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, Setting time limits, because one of the things I heard a lot from people during COVID was now that I'm working from home, it's even harder to turn work off, mm-hmm. you know, and so being able to set time limits at home with your electronics, people don't love to hear this because many people go to bed scrolling, is that um, you really should dial back technology an hour or two before you go to bed. Yeah. yeah. It actually helps the brain calm down and go to bed and and rest, get into that space of rest because your body does restore itself. Your brain and your body are designed to restore themselves in different states of your sleep. And so it affects chemical levels and all the different things that affect our emotions and the the repair in our body. And so one of the ways to do that is to dial that back and and even limit time because if we're spending so much time online and and dialed in, we're not investing relationally. Mm -hmm. So electronic boundaries are really important and we have to self-impose those. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) And we should impose them for our children too. Yes. Um, (laughs) That's a big one. Yeah. (laughs) Because that that really affects their brain development. And so just setting priority boundaries. I do think that COVID did allow people to evaluate that. Being at home, one of the things I heard a lot from people was I was able to realize I was going 100 miles an hour. And Mm -hmm. so people are actually in the mindset right now and you – 
to think about how do I change some of this up to find more balance. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about things we can slow down. So obviously my mind immediately goes to like resting our body. I know before I ended up taking my sabbatical, I was not, you know, just taking adequate time off to do nothing, Mm -hmm. just rest. Like Sabbath was actually... God's idea. (laughs) And we break that a lot, you know, not that we live under the law, but there are principles there that can help us live better and live well. And our bodies need rest. They do. We want to create space where we can rest and not just sleep. We want to create places we rest. Like vacation needs to be vacation. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that most people are guilty of is picking up the phone and answering emails and being in crisis mode. But we mentally and emotionally need to disconnect sometimes. I, it helps me to do that a little bit on a daily basis, even if it is just 30 minutes, you know, being able to disconnect, particularly from work, Mm -hmm. um, so yes, rest, we need to be intentional. Vacation, we need to allow ourselves to mentally and emotionally completely power down. We need that time to be present. Being present is a boundary and a way to rest too. You know, mm-hmm. let yourself be in the moment. If I'm going outside and going for a walk, I don't need to be doing everything in my to-do list. Like I might choose to actually engage, what am I seeing? What am I feeling? Right. You know, is the Lord saying something to me today? Letting myself really practicing and disciplining myself into being intentional and present. Yeah. That that can take practice. It is. I mean, I've found that. I mean, it is a discipline. And taking time off can be a discipline to do nothing but just enjoy yourself. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, I tell people all the time, like for me personally, rest for me is not just being still. I need some of that. Mm -hmm. But I also, rest for me is having coffee with a friend. It's having a conversation that isn't involved in all the things where I'm demanded of, mm-hmm. where people need my time or my attention. Or, yeah. you know, it's, it's having fun, going to play a game, doing something. Because I, like I said, I, I need social time too, but that's a part of resting for yeah. me. Now, and it recharges you emotionally. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So rest is good. Uh, refocusing your spirit. That's what we were just talking about, about being still with the Lord, you know, He He will restore a lot when we spend time with Him. Yeah, because it's not it. It's a one stop shop, you know. <laughs> it really is. I love that. It is. I, I think of it, you know, it's like going to see the doctor. It's getting a hug from your dad. It's right. You know, it's being in a business meeting, <laughs> yeah. all at uh, one time. <laughs> I love that. Well, I know that we are talking about things that can help us slow down, but part of that is like slowing down and like you said, taking time for Mm self-care. After COVID, you know, I've really started doing things much more intentionally to regain health. And that required me to build better habits. Mm -hmm. And some of that has been taking the time to slow down enough to be more intentional with my nutrition with exercise, with sleep, with time off, you know, all those kind of things. Those are those are habits that produce health in our lives and they make such a difference and a lot of times we don't think we have time, but that's what we're talking about. That this is a this is a form of breaking, slowing down, doing things that are actually fueling and energizing, restorative so that you have that margin. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there are small things that you can do that make a big difference, more yeah. than we sometimes are aware of. Yeah. And so really take time to think about, you know, how you assessed in those areas because it may be time for you to stop and make a hard full stop. But let's talk about emotions. We can't talk about mental health and not talk about emotions nope. for just a minute. So <laughs> give us your thoughts. I have a lot. (laughs) Well, you know, I was saying earlier about how we kind of live in a a really stoic culture. We value thoughts over emotions. And and even in the church, we've perpetuated this some. And I tell people all the time, God created both. He gave us our thoughts and emotions. Can you imagine a world where we didn't emote and we didn't feel? If you just thought about love, what would that experience be like? Uh, You know, if we didn't have... God gave us emotions for a couple of reasons. It accentuates our experience. But they're also... I tell my clients, they're warning lights. They're indicator lights. Every emotion has a job. Now, Scripture says we're not to be led by our emotions and that they are deceptive. And they are in and of themselves, by themselves. They can deceive us about the reality of the situation. But when they're doing their proper job, they can help us move through a situation. Mm. And I think that's where they get a bad rap and we ignore them. We shut them down, even in the church. I absolutely love the scripture about renewing our mind, but we can't renew our mind without addressing our emotions because our emotions are our lamps, like just in our car. You know, if my check engine light comes on, it's what's letting me know there is something externally or internally occurring that needs to be addressed, mm-hmm. right? Sadness and grief are our ways to heal from loss. They, they allow us that experience to move through to the other side. Yeah. We don't like grief. We do everything we can to avoid grief, but it has a job. Yeah, it's unnecessary. Right, and, and if I ignore that grief, then guess what gets out of control? My thoughts, Yeah. right? I don't have a proper perspective or I even start believing wrong things if I don't let myself move through that grief. Mm. And so emotions are normal. They're, they're given to us and they even have a job. They, they let us know that we need something. They indicate that something needs our attention. Yeah. And not all of them, you know, like I said earlier, I don't like bad or good. I don't like even positive and negative sometimes. I prefer comfortable and uncomfortable. Yeah. Because the truth is we physically experience our emotions. There there is things that happen in our emotions that are physically uncomfortable. Yeah. Anxiety triggers the fight or flight response, which is releasing more cortisol and essentially sometimes more adrenaline in your system. Because it's literally preparing your body to hit someone harder or run faster. Right. <laughs> so you feel that physically. Yes, that's, you do. That's the increased heart rate. That's the, you know, mm-hmm. my I'm pounding. I've got, elect, feels like you've got electricity running through your mm-hmm. limbs. It's because you've got more blood flowing through your limbs right now. Right. right. You know, but that's not a real comfortable feeling. That's why a lot of people who are having panic attacks think they're having a heart attack. Right. <laughs> because those things are very closely related. Um, not necessarily the heart attack itself, but they feel similar mm-hmm. because your heart is actually moving faster. Right. So I think it's just really important. I, I, I told um, somebody one time, I, I had this picture of emotions being like soldiers on a battlefield. Like we tend to think we're fighting against them. <laughs> that is the mindset. But really they were designed to fight with us. Mm. And when we can learn to partner with our emotions, we're going to have a healthier mindset. When we try to fight our emotions, our mindset gets distorted. 
Oh. And so. Oh, we got to sit on that one for just a little bit. <laughs> Jessica, that was really good. And it was an image, honestly, the Lord gave me one day I when I was talking that. about that. Revelation. Because people do treat their emotions like they're enemies, mm. and they're not. I mean, that makes sense because who really wants to be angry? Who really wants to feel depressed, you know? And so you do whatever you can to avoid those things. Mm -hmm. And in that, sometimes that's when you mess up or that's when that anger becomes or becomes even more anger or that depression becomes even more depression because you're trying to fight against it Mm -hmm. instead of accepting it for what it is and working through it. In graduate school, I took a class that was specifically on stress management, mm-hmm. and the, the professor was a guy who had written books in the industry about stress management. Like, mm-hmm. he wasn't one of those founding fathers, uh-huh. and he said, you know, the thing about panic attacks, and the hardest thing is it's so anti what you think should happen. He said, the first thing I teach people is you just have to accept that's what you feel. Mm. Like, don't try to fight the anxiety. Don't try to fight the panic. Mm-hmm. Sit with it a minute. It's not going to kill you. Your body tells you it's going to, but it's not. Yeah. It's not actually going to kill you. And so if you can sit in the discomfort long enough, a lot of times you will come out the other side. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean sit in it for weeks and months. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But I can give 20 minutes to sit in an emotion if I need to, because a lot of times when I've sat with it, the fear dissipates, mm. right? right? We have a lot of fear around our emotions because we don't know what to do with them or how to control them or make them stop because... They're a natural part of our process. Mm -hmm. But that's why emotions can be deceptive Mm -hmm. in and of themselves alone because we often operate out of fear versus what is this really trying to tell me? Right. Because depression is real. uh, People hit the depression mark when they feel like their resources and capability under meet the stress level or the things they have on their plate to do. Mm -hmm. And depression happens when we feel like we don't have what we need to complete to do life, yeah. yeah, which is an indicator something's wrong. <laughs> right. right. I either need to expand my resources or I need to create margin. Mm-hmm. And there may be some root things underneath while that's happening, but the depression itself is an indicator that there are things going on in my life that need attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I may not be able to do those things alone. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I know Sam Chan says this, that he says, let tension get your attention. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And that's what you're saying. Whenever you find that tension point, that's the the moment to pause because something needs attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. All right. Well, let's talk about um <laughs> let's talk about triggers. Well, we our our minds are shaped by the experiences we have. Yeah. And so the brain does actually store those experiences. And we didn't go way into trauma today because that you could talk five podcasts on that, right? right. <laughs> and so, but it's the way the way the brain stores memory, especially when we have had traumatic experiences. And for me, trauma is anything that contradicts your beliefs, values, and expectations that cause loss for you that really had no resolution. Mm-hmm. And and science, neurology shows when they've done studies, the brain does not actually store those memories the same way. Mm-hmm. And so everything about that experience, including what you did to survive, gets wired in in those neuropathways. And so when we talk about triggers, a lot of times it's things that are reminiscent mm-hmm. of those experiences we had that the brain perceived as unsafe. Right. Right. So... 
it could, and that's why smells can trigger that. So like if, if I was in a house that, you know, somebody broke into my house while I was there and, and cookies were baking in the oven, that's why cookies baking in the oven can set that off because inside of that wiring with that memory mm-hmm. was the smell of those cookies. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because fight or flight heightens the awareness of our sensory. The five senses get elevated, right? It's part of that chemical response. It's why it's uncomfortable. And so any of our senses can be triggers to that. Things we heard, things we smell, things that touched us, you know. Obviously, the visual memory of something can. And 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 even tone, right? Like if I have an experience where I dealt with someone's anger and they were screaming bloody murder at me, when people raise their voice at me, that's going to be a trigger, especially if I haven't resolved that, if mm-hmm. I'm still struggling with conflict and feeling unsafe. Yeah. Basically, a trigger is something that has indicated to the brain, you don't feel safe. Yeah. I love the way that you explain that. So what are some things that happen in our body that can kind of cue us a trigger's occurring? So we live in pop culture world where most people know what fight or flight is at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, True. that's that um, elevated <clears throat> response. And that's really what's happening. So if I'm having an increased heart rate, if I'm if I'm feeling like my skin is buzzing, you know, yeah. most people, we know what that feels like, right? Yeah. If I start feeling like... Chest tightening. Uh, chest <laughs> tightening. If my thoughts are racing or if all of a sudden it feels like I can't think about anything... Because we do know when fight or flight's happening, because that's what's actually happening when you're triggered. Your brain is going back into fight or flight mode. Yeah. And so one of the things that happens during fight or flight is the brain actually shuts down your thinking process, right? Because it's trying to save your life. We don't have time to sit around and think about it. You can think about it later when you're safe, (laughs) right? So that's why we can have racing thoughts. It's why we can feel like we've got brain fog in that moment. Mm -hmm. So those are all the kinds of things that can happen. Fear. People feel fear a yeah. lot of times when that is activated. So what um, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do Well, in fir- those moments? The first thing I would say is we have to keep in mind that typically the first bout of fight or flight is not going to last a real long time. Because okay. a lot of times when we're in that space, we're, we're fearful it's not going to end. And so the truth is most fight or flight response typically can last anywhere from 60 seconds to two minutes. Now, it can last longer than that Mm -hmm. given the crisis. But if I can get through, if I can take that time out, and like we said a minute ago, if I can sit and accept, okay, I'm not okay right now. (laughs) Yeah, There is something around me that's not safe. I don't like the way I feel. I, I I walk it out that way yeah. in my, with myself. Okay, I don't feel good. I don't have to like this, but this is what I feel. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, because it, it it trains my brain to stop trying to fight the emotion, mm-hmm. right? Because we are designed to survive, and we go into avoidance, which is what most people mental health is often seated on our avoidance. Our mm-hmm. survival is often avoidance, and so not to fight it <laughs> is is so key. Um, because then I can start backing my way into what's really going on here. What do I really need? And and one of the questions I usually, I do this in the type of therapy that I do. The big question is, what are you feeling? Mm-hmm. It's amazing over the years as I've used that mm-hmm. on myself, mm-hmm. obviously in conversations with other people, like you get this like blank stare Mm. like a deer in headlights when you ask somebody like what you feel they'll start telling you blah 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 and I'm like 
that's not a feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you actually feel? And I remember Teresa giving me that feeling word list. And I was like, you know, I looked through, I started looking through that. I was like, oh, I feel this. I feel feel abandoned. I feel betrayed. I feel belittled. I feel dismissed. You know, I mean, it's amazing because sometimes we have, you know, so get a, get a feeling word list. You may need a little help with that. It's okay. That helped. It helped me a lot. So do you think that in that moment, it's just, you haven't processed it for yourself and that's why you can't come up with the feeling or you, you just haven't taken that time. Like you've suggested that we need to just not fight the emotion. And so we've been fighting for so long that we just can't even come up with how we feel. There's a couple things happening in that. Mm-hmm. I tell my clients all the time, most people are walking around emotion word deprived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't learn because we, we do culturally come from a place that we value thoughts over emotions. We don't actually learn to engage emotional vocabulary and emotional processing. Okay. So we're already operating in deficit in that a lot of times. And so it is a learning experience. I will tell you, once people get a hold of like recognizing that understanding what my emotions are actually help me understand the problem and get to a solution, mm-hmm. it, it captures them. Mm-hmm. Like then they get mad when they can't find the right feeling word because yeah. they're like, if I could just get a hold of what I feel, then I know what to do with it. You know, because it's it's a situation where, you know, if I recognize that I feel small and belittled, then I know that somebody has been condescending to me. They've been chastised to me. They're not valuing me the way I p- believe they should. Mm-hmm. But that emotion is oftentimes what helps my thought actually funnel into what the real problem is, mm-hmm. okay. right? Instead of just that feeling of a ton of emotion or being overwhelmed, thoughts usually come out of our mouth first because that's also part of our survival system. Most people are rationalize, compare and contrast, justify. Those are always the brain tries to survive and avoid emotion. Mm. So thoughts are the first thing that comes out of people's mouth because it's how they've stayed safe and not have to feel those things. (laughs) I don't have to feel that if I can think my way out of this. And so a lot of times if we get a hold of the emotion, we back ourselves into what's the real problem. Because if I am being not valued, then I know well, how do I address that? Is there something inside of the situation that I can communicate and that will help me feel more valued? Is this a situation where I have to evaluate, is this a toxic environment and I'm just not going to be valued, so I need to make changes? Mm-hmm. But if I have identified, well, I feel belittled and betrayed and made to feel small, it oftentimes will be the roadmap mm-hmm. to getting to. So good. Yeah. That's brilliant. Oh, y'all, you need to rewind and listen to that again because, I mean, there's freedom nuggets in there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, I love it. All right. So we know the cues. We know some of the things that trigger. So obviously identifying the problem, sitting with it, that is going to like give us some things to maybe ask ourselves that may give us a roadmap to handling the real issues at hand. Mm -hmm. So... I've heard people talk about um, a drama triangle and that a lot of times we can get sucked into um, what I call living below the line. Mm-hmm. And so can you kind of like talk to us a little bit about that? Because obviously there may be triggers that happen and pull us back to some place. But what is the drama triangle and how do we try not to get What are some ways to not get trapped in that? So 
really the drama triangle is about a reactive response. When, when we are triggered, we have that reactive response. So for some of us, you know, in, in the actual triangle, you've got a victim, a villain, a hero, which, which are three of the primary responses majority of people tend to have. And a lot of times if somebody's triggered, if they really have had trauma, it's not uncommon to go to the victim place because if they've experienced trauma, they have been a victim of something. Mm-hmm. But part of it in the not resolving that, we've maintained that when hard things happen or challenges happen, I remain the victim. Take that on as an identity. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, it, this is something being done to me. It's not fair. There's not any real ownership in that at that point because it, the world is happening to me. Yes. Right. When we talk about the hero, this is one that's really hard to identify for a lot of people because, especially as Christians, right? We're taught to take care of people. We're taught to care for the widows and the orphans, mm-hmm. to back each other up, to support each other. And so we get praised a lot for the hero, and we don't really always realize that there's parts of that that aren't always healthy. Right. If we haven't done the work to heal and we are being the hero to find our value or to to calm down that triggered response, that's not actually healthy. Right. <laughs> right. And so if I'm here to save the day or I'm here to fix the problem, and that's really only to help me feel better because... I really don't feel that sense of value or I don't feel good about a situation, that's, yes, you're helping, but you're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself, <laughs> and yes. So, and, and, but it's, it's something that's often praised, particularly in churches. Oh, particularly come on, come on. In those places. And so we perpetuate, and that's where you get the people who are doing 40 hours of ministry when they've got a family at home and they're working 80 hours a week. Right. <laughs> you're like, you don't have the capability really to be doing right. that. Um and then we also have the villain, you know, that it's, <laughs> <laughs> who's at fault? I blame you. You know, it's that we love to project. Yes, we do. People. <laughs> I don't want to own that. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> right. And I think you're bound to get a lot more of the aggressive responses out of the villain, you know, the the narcissistic cycles where we see, you know, gaslighting and things like that. You're going to tend to see more from a villain. Mm-hmm. Um but it's that projection that I'm not going to take ownership of the part I play in this. And and hear me, triggers are an indicator that there's been previous trauma. Right. That's just a fact. And that's something for us to know as people, especially to know as Christians when we're engaging people, that if someone's triggered and responding, there is something underneath that. Right. <laughs> if we are triggered and having these severe response, reactive responses, there's something in that. And that's where I may need to say, okay. I have got to sit down with myself and be honest. Yeah, <laughs> and really it you know it brings us back to the very beginning. The Lord wants us to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants us to heal. And we do that by things being brought to the surface. And instead of fighting against those, we can learn to participate in the journey mm-hmm. of discovery yep. and acceptance of like who we are and the things that maybe have wounded us or injured us. It is all for the purpose of helping us mm-hmm. to heal and to become whole, yeah. which is what He desires for us. I, I say it this way to my clients, because God really gave me this in my own perspective, is, you know, He designed us really to be naked and alone with Him. Yeah. Like, we were designed to be fully exposed, to be fully loved. Yeah. And when sin entered the world... We didn't stop desiring that. 
we still desire to be fully known and fully loved, but we are terrified that if I'm fully known, I'm not going to be fully loved. Right. And God really designed a process to bring us back to a place once we know Him and accept that through Christ. He walks us through a process of trusting and building that faith that we can be fully known and fully loved again. Yeah. And you can't escape the process. <laughs> you just can't. And but a lot of people do. I think that's where you see people fall away from the church. They stop believing in God. Like because we do hit this sort of critical moment. Am I going to let God deal with these things? Mm-hmm. And and that's where you see a lot of mental health come up. Mm-hmm. You know, because if I'm not willing to deal with these things, it takes a toll on the body. Yeah. We will see it come out sideways. In our emotions. I mean, I've seen it come out physically. I've seen people who've held trauma in who started having non-medical seizures or stopped walking, you know. Yes. And there are very real things that the body can only take so much. Yes. I'm not willing to deal with the woundedness and deal with the things that have come from history. It's going to lend itself to not having good regulation. Yes. (laughs) I mean, that's... Yes. We really were built body, soul, and spirit. Yeah. And none of those things are separate from each other. We as humans tend to compartmentalize that. Well, I'll take care of my spirit over here and my body over here. And it's why we can make the excuses of, I don't want to exercise, uh-huh. you know, but, but the reality is they are all integrated and they all affect each other. They do. They, they weave in and out and you can't only choose to deal with one thing. So good. Are there like any last thoughts that you want to leave us with? I think I would say, you know, when we talk about mental health, I think one of the biggest barriers is probably shame. And I think I would probably remind, want to remind people that really remembering where shame came from. Okay. We have an enemy and an accuser that wants to shame us. Yeah. God is a God of conviction. He is not a God of condemnation. And... We do still deal with stigma in our culture around mental health, and Mm -hmm. so it can make it feel like a shame-based thing to talk about and a difficult thing to approach. But it's it's like Scripture says, things in the dark, when they come to the light, it really is a better thing. And so find safe people. Obviously, we're not saying go out and tell everybody this. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying run, go tell your boss, unless your boss has proven to be a safe person. But... Really identify a safe place. And if you can't identify one for yourself, find someone who can help direct you to Mm -hmm. a safe person. This has been awesome. I want to do like a workshop with you or something. I know. (laughs) I just want to like pick your brain for like ever. (laughs) (laughs) I get that a lot. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. It has been great. Well, guys, before we wrap up today, I did want to share two things with you. One is the information to contact Influencers Counseling. Their number is 678-800-3108. Again, 678-800-3108. Maybe something we said today really resonated with you. Maybe you were listening and you checked off several of those boxes. It doesn't matter if it's influencers counseling. Maybe you just recognize that you could really benefit from somebody taking this journey with you in terms of taking some next steps so that you really can be supported in breaking before you break. Reach out to them or reach out to a counselor. Really want to encourage you in that. The other thing is maybe as you listen today, you're like, 
listening to Jessica and thinking, this is really my heart. I want to come alongside people and help them in this area of their life. We, through our nonprofit BDA Development Ministries, we actually have training for this. And so Teresa Vaughn, who's been on, who Jessica referred to, she's working with. Jessica is actually helping us as well. We are beginning to train people in the area of soul care. And if you want to be trauma-informed and help come alongside others to help them resolve trauma, understand their soul, and make real Um, just progress in this area of their life, using faith along with that. We have training for that. And so you can go to bdadevelopment.com, click the training tab for more information. All right, guys. So we're wrapping up and just want to leave you with some closing words. You know, breaking before we break, stopping before we snap. This is a part of living a first and main way of life. It's learning to lead our life instead of just accepting things as they are. And the reality is the more that we allow Christ to be the dominant force in our life, the better our mental health is going to be because Christ is the one who can give us a supernatural ability to respond to all the things that life throws our way. The Holy Spirit will help us respond in ways that will build our lives instead of tearing them down. And so I want to leave you with the serenity prayer because I think it's so fitting. And it's just this, God, grant us the courage to change the things we can, the serenity to accept the things that we can't change, and the wisdom to know the difference. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening today. We can't wait to meet with you here again at First in Maine, your avenue to living well.